0: Adventure has its own style. It's made up of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. Visit Subaru.com wilderness to explore the family of rugged Subaru Wilderness models.
1: welcome to this edition of Believe in Grizzlies. Today I have Matt. How do you pronounce your last name? I don't (laughs) want to mess it up. You
0: told told me I was going to introduce myself. Matt Herdlicka. Yeah, for any anybody out there. It's a good check name.
1: Good check name. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Matt has been a longtime Grizzlies fan and he has a Patreon where he um, does charity on it. So tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so I used to write for um, Grizzly Bear Blues, and I think I've actually written a couple things a long time ago for the Flyer. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, somewhere in the archives, I'm sure you can dig it up. But uh, yeah, it's a Patreon page, so it's $2 a month, and at least $1 a month goes to charity. And I try to pick some Memphis ones and some ones around here. Um, But it's getting to be uh, time to donate to food shelters pretty soon so that's that's typically what I do in the winter because lord knows people need food in the winter
1: yes they really do so were you one of the fans who was panicking when the Grizzlies were 0-6 or would you like be mellow with it or anything (laughs) but that win last night I think um probably be a game changer for them they really needed it even though it's early in the season I think they needed it for morale purposes
0: yeah for to answer your first question I uh it's been a long time since I really get get emotional and wrapped up in regular season games but you know we were kind of approaching the like the the must win (laughs) scenario um I don't know if I I what does panic do for me? You know, like it, it's kind of a euphemism to say, do you still believe in the team? And, you know, they, 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 the, they have a, they doubled down on having a rotation of about eight NBA players and four of them have barely played this year. So what point is panicking? I mean, they just, they haven't had their guys and they got a couple of them back and they look better. And that's what everybody should kind of expect. It seems to me the story is kind of that simple. Uh, right. What do you, What do you think? And, and to answer your question again, as far as panic goes, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't think I was panicked. I just kind of the story was the story. They had injured guys, and now they're not injured as injured, and they look a little bit better.
1: Okay, so here's the thing. They had a loss like last night. I was looking for a walls and shams to say that uh Taylor Jenkins was fired. No lie. Oh gosh. Yes, I was looking for that. But you know, I was just like, you know, maybe they were winning or whatever. I was looking for that because it's just like it seems I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. But it's just like he I think he turned a corner probably um maybe Friday. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just like so happy that Jake LaRavio is, like, not in the rotation at all.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, and, and, and and I don't want to pounce on Jake LeRae. Right. But there are other players on that team that deserve playing time over him when he was just, like, wasted space, it seems yeah. like to me.
0: I, I get what you're saying. To me, they're, you know, rather than pinning it all on Jake, because he was one of the few guys... I. Um, I wrote this. In fact, like basically the two guys that were hurting the team were Jake Gloravia and Derek Rose. Rose mm-hmm. got injured and Gilliard is no special player by his own right. And mm-hmm. just by simply not shooting as bad as, as much or as badly, it's helping the team because Derek Rose was shooting weight. And I, I, I'm not really blasting Rose because he looks around at the guys he's playing with. And like you say, he's playing with Jake Laravia. He's playing with You know David Roddy, who has some shake off the dribble, but isn't going to go out and get you twenty five a night. And Rose probably thinks to himself, "I need to take over." I I understand that, but you know, in his stints, he was shooting too much and it wasn't going in. And you just can't you can't win in the year twenty twenty three if your offensive rating doesn't approach a certain level, no matter how good your defense is. and I mean, I, I agree with you, Jake shouldn't. It's kind of one of those things, like if his shot isn't going in, um, I mean, the fundamental difference for him, between him and Luke Kennard is that even if Luke's shot is not going in, the defense thinks it's going in. So they're going to guard him. Right. The defense is totally fine with Jake shooting. <laughs> so if he's not going to rebound, if he's not going to like get steals or do anything off the dribble you kind of don't know whether you need to play him until after the fact when the shots either haven't gone in or have, you know? So, um, but I mean, on his merits, you're hundred percent, right. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have been playing. I, although the other options weren't exactly great. I mean, like, honestly, the better option is Luke Kennard is now healthy. And Santi Aldama is hopefully healthy. And those players are clearly better than all the rest of the guys to me. Right, uh, not all them, but but you know they they slot in ahead of Jake certainly.
1: Yeah, so uh, Candace Haggis, she's on. You know who Candace is, Matt. She's uh, on no, the uh, Griezlis Ethos podcast.
0: Okay, pleasure to meet you, Candace.
1: Hi,
2: nice to meet Hi, you as well.
1: So, Candace, uh, how how did you feel about that win last night?
2: I think it was a step in the right direction. Um, I think you're starting to see, well, just getting healthy. Uh, and, and I've been stressing that like they just didn't have the depth. Um, having Santi back is a big deal. I also think having Luke Kennard make shots is a, is a huge deal. You get that along with the addition of Bees Mac. That's three additions really to your offense that just that just weren't there. You just weren't getting anything from those three pieces. And Santi didn't even have that great of a game. He didn't need to. You just need another another just body over there, guy. right? Yeah. And and I think, you know, he still gets some wide open shots, but I think he's working up to respectability, I think, in terms of at least a monster league as a three-point shooter. So um, you just like what that does spacing-wise, you like how your lineups look based on the available guys you have. And I I do think they're developing some sort of chemistry from a Marcus Smart perspective. Um, he still it still looks wonky at times when he's facilitating on the offense, but he did have less turnovers. I guess I'll take the three over the five from the last game. And he did have five assists, which also speaks to people making shots. Um, because I think it wasn't a question of him passing the ball. So overall, like when I saw, an um, not sure where, where exact part you were talking about, but I'm just glad they got a win.
1: So I want to ask you both. What are you guys' evaluation of Biz and Matt Biambo, um the first game? You can go ahead, Matt.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, I was talking to somebody. Um, so there's two things. Number one, I, he looked amazing. Um, and I, my first thought when I was watching him was, man, he looks fresh. I wonder how long he's going to look that fresh for <laughs> how many games will he have these legs? Um, cause he is, a, he, I think he is an older player. I don't like know. Like
1: 31. I think he's 31. He's
0: 31. Okay. Yep. yeah. So That's not too old. Um, I'm 41. So I can't, he's, he's got, he's got a whole decade on me. Um, but my second thought was um basically this the team went into the year, and the whole theory of the team was you've got a lot of small guards, and to play that effectively, you need two big men. And that helps Jaron with foul trouble. It helps shield Bain and Kennard and Ja when he comes back and Derek Rose and all these other smalls. You know, it's just a substantial difference when you have a real big man in there. I don't know how long business, I don't know how many games he's going to certainly look that way, but let alone be effective, but getting production like that out of a true big man changes the whole team and it makes everything fit. It even helps uh, Marcus smart um, because with when, when Marcus, Marcus is really effective with more shooting around him and the Grizzlies, the only real way we can get shooting out there is with playing Bane and Kennard together. And so yeah just having those two big men makes everybody else way more playable and everybody else sort of fits so
1: what are your thoughts
2: Candace? 100%, 100% agree uh definitely agree um and you just saw them be able to facilitate better and uh, and they were able to do better with uh second chance points not still like you like but they've been really yeah. struggling with second chance points um uh, way more offensive rebound cuz they weren't getting any offensive rebounds really um you just like you like you said it allows for everybody to play within their space. And it was hard because they didn't have a true center. Um, Tillman is great, but mm-hmm. he is a backup center. And that's clear. Um, Jaron is not a true center. So they have bigs, but they didn't even have just a guy who can fill that role, a guy who can set a screen. It's the ability to set that screens on this offense makes all the difference in the world. And they were able to get 52 pain points tonight. It's, I mean, oh, not, sorry, not tonight, but last night um versus the trailblazers 34 they were able to play to a strength this time you only saw them take it uh, looks like they had 32 um three-point attempts they had like 54 or whatever before like it changes the way that they play to your appointment in in a in a very dramatic way where they don't have to depend on high volume low make percentage three-point right. shooting and they can actually get an interior because there's a guy there who's going to clear the lane and 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 help out just so they can actually finish at the rim
0: yeah so, the, so- the, the second chance points are the 100 percent. the other thing I should have mentioned so I'm glad you did because that does change the entire formula of the the offense um, you know because the team isn't a great shooting team you need those extra points uh, and those extra possessions so that's a that's a great point too
1: so wh- why do you guys think that They have the green light to shoot all those threes. And I'm just like, that game, they shot 54 threes. I'm like, I just, I just. Oh, I'll tell you
0: why. Why, It's because they were bringing a knife to a gunfight.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay. okay. (laughs) They they
0: were outgunned. They, they, like, the team has survived forever, even in the grit and grind era, extra possessions, good defense. And without Stephen Adams, they didn't have that formula. They didn't have it anymore. They can't, they can't shoot poorly and then just make up the gap with all these extra offensive rebounds and all the paint points that Stephen Adams allowed uh, or made the the screens like Candace mentioned so absent all that you essentially have to make up for, for it because 3 is greater than 2 and that's a t- that's a really tough spot to be in when you just aren't a very good shooting team but maybe you catch fire one night but basically like if your offense if you don't try that and your offense is is giving if you're giving up 1.1 possession points per possession and you're only getting 0.9, like you're just going to lose slow. It's a death by a thousand cuts. Um, did it work? No, it didn't work. But <laughs> I don't I don't know if there was a better. So I I can understand the long way of it is it didn't work. I don't know if there was a better plan B. That that's kind of my stance. Um, and you
2: you can feel free to disagree with me because it certainly did not work.
1: It, it didn't work at all.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I understand and... the logic, and I know, and it's not who gave them green. It's 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 not just who gave them the green light. It's the coaching strategy. Taylor Jenkins he mentioned that really mm-hmm. as soon as in his presser, as soon as Stephen Adams got injured, that they were going to emphasize the three point. It immediately changed their game plan, and I think I sort of lean towards as frustrating as it is to watch, and I do think there's a balance between like forty threes and like fifty four. Sure. Um. I, I I also I lean towards Matt. Right. Like if you're if you don't feel confident that your guys can finish at the rim, because they've been smoking a ton of, right? We complained about that in the losses, right? They're not mm-hmm. finishing in the paint, right? And they're not getting the three pointers, and they're not finishing in the paint because they don't have a true center. So if you don't feel comfortable about your ability to finish in the paint, there's only really two ways to get points, um, because they don't have a ton of mid range guys, other than Zaire, um, and and I think they could enforce that a little bit more probably would be to their benefit. But can you put a whole offensive game plan around the mid range? Probably not. And so as frustrating as it is, I get it. Don't know if I'd make that choice, but I also understand why they made that choice.
0: Yeah. And it, it also, I mean, again, it goes back to the injured guys for two, for two reasons, like just set aside the Steven Adams injury for a second, which also is terrible, but Does that does that um, strategy work better if Santi and Luke are the players shooting the threes instead of? Exactly. Right. You know, and then the other the other part of it, um, I have always been in the camp that Tillman probably is not a good shooter and never will be because it just until it happens. I just kind of I'm like, well, it probably won't happen. Um, But the other the other part of it is the the other way the the Grizzlies got paint points was Jaw. I mean, he sure. was an offense in and of himself. He could literally jaw Stephen Adams. Neither guy can shoot, but that those two guys will get jawed to the rim one way or another. And if yeah. John misses, Stephen Adams will be there to get the rebound. And that is totally evaporated too. So, you know, it was almost like our plan A and plan B both were shot because of injuries and suspension. So yeah. I had no problem with the strategy of kind of just throwing things up and saying, saying, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and get hot and we'll win two of these games, but full, I mean, I'm not arguing it was effective at all. <laughs> like clearly it did not work.
2: To be honest, I was far less frustrated with the strategy offensively as much as yeah. I was with the defensive strategy to just let other guys do the same thing. Cause then that math doesn't matter. Like you're not good at shooting three points, but we're not going to try to defend the three that to me doesn't make much sense. I was far more frustrated with the defensive strategy in that regard than the offensive. As frustrating as it was to watch them break threes.
1: Right. And 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 uh, what I was gonna say after this was like they like all these teams become the golden state warriors against them.
2: Yes. Because they're yeah. not
1: defending the three like they should have. And I'm like, why? Why are you guys not closing out? And it's just like seeing like everybody going going to the paint. I'm like, if you have Jaron Jackson and Junior in the paint, why you need to help him?
2: Correct. The logic is um, yeah. I won't never have a good explanation for that. It drives me, it drives me nuts. I, I even if you're gonna have a help defender over for Jaren, I get that. But like the whole team and coaching staff being in the paint pretty much is <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> ridiculous.
1: I mean, I just I I don't understand it. I, I just don't understand it but they got a little bit better last night. Sure. I can give them that. They got a little did better. Did they get better
2: or did they just miss more threes?
0: Yeah, you know, and I, I just, I'll jump in here because I never know, I am I am not as good at picking apart defensive strategies, but it has been kind of a hallmark of Jenkins teams to sort of like, it in modern basketball, you have to kind of give up something. You have to choose to give up something. So some sure. teams choose to give up mid-rangers the Grizzlies have chosen to give up above the break threes. You know, yes. we try not to give up corner threes. We try to wall off the paint. And the walling off the paint doesn't quite work if Steven Adams isn't there, even with Jaron, for foul reasons and for other reasons. And um, I think the team probably overcommitted to defending the paint and we're giving up too many completely open threes. I also think it was a lot of poor execution on the play. Like, I don't think the players should be let off the hook because there's a lot of times where there's like two guys going to one shooter and, you know, and it, it should be expected because a lot of the wings are young and right. I mean, Z- Zaire has not really played that much basketball. So him not being, I'm not saying he's the main culprit, but just he's closer to kind of a rookie than a third year player because he hasn't, he just hasn't played as much. Um but anyway, I just, I never know what exactly is the the main factor. I think some of it's strategy, some of it's poor execution. And then some of it is just the other teams are running really hot. Um, you know, it sounds like you guys think it's more of the coaching, which I'm not going to fight you about it. I I don't really know, to be honest.
2: I, I think it's more of the coaching because you saw somebody who, and D'Anthony Milton, who was a consistent over helper in, in mm-hmm. our offense. And then he goes to the six, seven, the Sixers, and that's, not really a problem over mm-hmm. there. I've watched some of their games and he's not overhelping. <laughs> so, I either it's 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 coaching through lack of emphasis mm-hmm. or it's coaching through choosing emphasis. And I do agree with you that he does. I think it is an intentional mark because they focus on the corner threes. They mm-hmm. try to eliminate those. And that's cool, but <laughs> I also think that they there should be a lot more balance if they're going to do that strategy, because of in, in modern NBA, I think that strategy is just becoming less and less effective because more guys can shoot, especially if yeah. they're going to be wide open gym, warm up practice open, then most guys can knock down that shot. And then if they get hot, then they start knocking down your contested shots. And that's when they get in trouble.
0: Yeah. I've so- always kind of been somebody who wants, I want the def- my defense to make, the other team uncomfortable. So I don't really like strategies that leave guys wide open unless mm-hmm, it yeah. is unless it is like a major pressure point, like leaving Draymond Green open or right. leaving Tony Allen or something like that. Right. Or Tony Allen. They left yeah. Matisse Neibel wide open last night. Or, yeah, last night. Um, yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Well. Yeah, I was going to say Tony Allen because that was a good strategy, uh, Steve Kerr. <laughs> did leave Tony Allen open. The there place. are some
0: old Grizzlies heads that still to this day think we would have won that series. Like that, 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 that strategy is overplayed in, in NBA history because Tony Allen was playing on a hurt hamstring. I, I don't remember that well, Uh, except to say that there are some people out there who still think, Oh, they get all this. They get all this uh, kudos because they left Tony Allen open, but he would have been fine if he hadn't hurt his hamstring. Um,
1: but I, uh, one man, person
0: the, listening this podcast will remember that, I'm sure. The main thing for me,
1: <laughs> I think that they would have done better in the series if Mike Conley wasn't hurt. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. it. That, that,
1: that. that would have been, you know, but, you know, neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it should have, should have, could have, would have, with yeah. that. So do you guys think that this win is going to be sustainable, even though they're without job, ja, they're without Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams?
2: I think it's going to depend on the opponent. I still think they need a little bit lesser competition because they're still missing so much depth. But I do think there is something to be said about having almost an entire bench on your injury report. And so getting getting some guys back, even right now, they're, they're missing John Conchar, they're missing Xavier Tillman in their bench lineup. And so adding, even adding those guys back, I think makes sure team even stronger to compete um but i i I don't think they're gonna go on a a long streak or anything but i do think they can tread water if they stay healthy
1: but sometimes all all you need is the one win sometimes all you need is the one win to have that confidence will we can play I, i i don't know it just i don't know it just seemed like they I know they're, you know, they have injuries. I know they have to gel with the other players that they got new, but it just seemed like something was missing within within them. Did they really have the confidence to think that they could win some of these games?
2: I think they started off with a confidence. I mean, the first three games, I don't think I'm, – I'm sure game four or five, that may be a factor. I think that's a valid point at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But some of those games, I don't think it was a confidence issue that they lost. It just was a depth, a talent issue. And um, you kind of saw them be able to pick their spirit. They had a lot of fight mm-hmm. in those mm-hmm. games. There are a couple blowouts, but I think the Washington game, that was just pure. They played their heart out against the world champs and, and just didn't have anything left. Right. Um, Utah, I think, was the aberration in terms of, I don't know if they really came to play. And I think that game for sure, you can point to confidence maybe. But for the most part, these guys have battled back and, and been, been really close um and competitive and just not had the juice and the legs in the end to to get it done so i still i still leaned up
0: yeah to i would i was gonna say i kind of candace kind of took i you can just uh, photoshop in everything she said for me because like <laughs> i think i think pretty much it is kind of be it's going to be night to night opponent by opponent and just getting people back who is healthy that day, who's healthy for the other team. And I I would kind of caution everybody just to not, it really has only been seven games. Right. I mean, we're not even 10 games into the season yet. And we don't have, we just haven't had our guys. So let's just check back in, in like two weeks and see where we are. I mean, the the, the main thing though, is every win is precious right now. You know, stealing a game against like a shorthanded Phoenix team or something would mean a lot. Because that's kind of one you look at and you're like, probably going to lose that. Um, And then just getting to a level of confidence where competence, where you can beat a team like Houston, which they have a couple of Houston games coming up, just beating, getting those wins and not losing to the worst teams in the, in, in the league, which Houston is probably going to be one of the, you know, bottom 10, bottom eight teams, not losing that game. Those games are big.
1: Well, well, in cor- according to some people, the Grizzlies are the worst team in the league right now because they are <laughs> one in six. Um, well, like, they uh, are
2: statistically. Yeah, I say. Yeah,
1: just- I know they are statistically, <laughs> but uh, Stephen A. Smith, you know, went on his rant today, um, you know, talking about John Moran and all this. And, that and that. I'm like, why you keep being a, do- a dead dog? We already know this. John, John knows that he made some mistakes. Why you want to put this on Twitter and everything? Just to keep everybody talking. I, I just don't understand it i don't get it leave that man alone he know he's with the team he know they losing because you know what they got to go back to the hotel and you know what he's there
2: yeah yeah it's a, it's a good point but I, I think i think it's relevant because everybody's trying to figure out why the Grizzlies are so bad i think people expected the Grizzlies to fall off but they didn't expect them to look that's this bad and that's fair um because I didn't expect them to look this bad. But also, I think people are missing the context because they don't follow the team.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: yeah. important context is missing. So it's a, it's, a lot of people are going to have theories. Most of them will be wrong. And I really do think that they can keep with this pace. They'll be better. Um, one thing I was going to mention about the, not necessarily confidence, but I think the chemistry is key. We talked about this in the last last time I was on with you, Sharon. And right. I think that, that's important. One small thing that I noticed that worked really ga- really well in this game versus Portland, versus the for- the first game versus Portland, is Marcus Smart was facilitating the offense in the last three minutes. And they just couldn't get anything going. This time Marcus brings up the ball, but he gets it to the hands of either Jaron or Desmond on every – go back and watch those offensive plays. Yeah. He gets the ball. He brings the ball up to court, might set something up, and then it's going to Dez or it's going to Jaren, The guys who know how to function the offense even better than him instead of him trying to play hero ball, that's huge, right? Like that – and it mm. was a difference in the game, ultimately, I think. So just things like that, getting to know who should be in what situations is huge.
1: And uh, what got me is Bismarck oh, um, Biombo. he had four assists. I was like, wow, yeah. he was passing that ball. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. I'm like, he'd been on the scene two days.
0: I legitimately didn't know he could actually, uh, he could pass.
1: Right. <laughs> right. I didn't like, even notice that. He you- was
0: off of a short roll and I, I, in in like right into the shooter's pocket in the corner. And I was like, okay. I had to rewind it. I was like, was that Bismack? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is great stuff. And it, and it's again, replicating what Steven Adams used to bring to this team because they yeah. pretty much stuck him in the Steven Adams role. And Steven Adams would just, now I do think Steven Adams has, has better, you know, pa- uh, passing ability, sure, obviously, but still putting him in that position where he can make those same plays, just get you closer back to what you were supposed to be, which is a, it was a great point by you Sharon.
1: Yeah. And, um, somebody was, saying. well, I was listening to, um, Chris Vernon's show today, um, mm-hmm. They was talking about his screen assists and everything, but what got me is they said when Bismuth and Jaron played together for 20 minutes versus Portland, their defensive rating was six six sixty nine point mm-hmm. eight. I was like, "Damn, yep, okay." So I yeah. guess you know everybody, you know Jaron did need Stephen Adams or he did need a um, Brenda Clark to be there on the floor with him.
2: He does. He needs another big. He he, he just needs another big. Yeah. He needs somebody. I mean, if you think about it, uh Bismack took uh, sure a couple of the fouls that Jaron would have taken, right? Uh Bismack was in foul trouble himself. That normally would be Jaron. But since he doesn't have to play both roles, now he did do a good job of staying out of foul trouble in the last game. Yeah, Friday
1: so he, he has, didn't have I think he had one foul Friday. He had
2: one foul last one and, and one foul in this game. Well, I think he
1: had two fouls. Uh, in this game, I think he got one late. No, you
2: can yeah, he can't oh, yeah. I'm looking at the box score.
1: He just okay. you That have one. has okay.
0: been one of the sneaky things that nobody really has talked about this year is that Jaron really kind of has stayed out of foul trouble, even yeah. as being lone big. He's had a, a couple games, I think, that he got three early, but he hasn't right, been. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's fouled out or even No, maybe he, hasn't. I, he hasn't. He hasn't. Um, he fouled out
1: in the preseason, but that's
0: that's about it. Yeah. 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 And then uh-huh. I had to
1: tell somebody that didn't matter because it was preseason, but okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things I'm looking at, at besides the Jaron Bismack, I, I really, for me to think that this team can make noise in the playoffs, I think, because I don't, as, as good as B- Bismack was last night, I don't think that that's going to be a yeah, night to night thing. I hope I'm wrong about that. I just, you know, he was picked off of his couch or whatever, but clearly in shape, like right. I guess he was picked off of his home gym, I should say, instead of the couch. But, um, the Jaren Sante minutes, if those, if that pairing turns out to be a big positive, which it has been decent before, but if it can, if they can be good with those two guys on the floor, I would be more willing to think this team could be, could make some noise. Um, in the postseason, if if they if they aren't i have a tough time thinking that they have the bigs on the team to like really make noise even if Jaw comes back and is is the same um you know that that i would even be willing like if that if that pairing looked good to like move chips in for like some kind of trade to help upgrade the team but if that pairing isn't good i just i just don't think they have the big man unless they go get him. you know um so that was to, just, to, just something
2: I'm watching. To that I really point, they,
1: okay. Go ahead, Candace.
2: No, I'm sorry. Uh, just to that point, real quick, the that in a small sample size, they were really great. That was a dynamic yeah. pairing last season, and one that uh was pushed for by the by the fans, and apparently it was pushed even in the coaching staff, assistant coaches pushing Taylor Jenkins to use that more. Is when he mentioned being more stubborn and you know, immediate media day or what have you. He mentioned the Santi jaron pairing and, and mm-hmm. trying to get those two together to play to play more. So I think he's heard that not just an outside noise, but within his own organization that that pairing was so successful statistically. If Santi can match his production and translate that to playoff production, yeah, I 100% agree. I think that's the biggest question. I think in theory they work, I've seen a whole year of it. Just a question of if Santi can hold up in playoff atmospheres.
0: Yeah. He was yeah. um he was guarding Aiden for a while there in the first half, which I kind of perked up because Jaron Jaron was off in the corner, right? Um, doing doing his weak side thing. Yep. And they had Sand on the center.
2: Sharon, I'm sorry. What were you gonna say?
1: Oh, I was gonna say I really liked the Jaron and Junior pra- pairing um last night as well. I you know I like that. But this question I want to ask you. Somebody brought it up on Twitter. Okay, so, like, they were talking about the starting lineup. To me, I thought the closing lineup was the best, uh, with Jaron, Vane, mm-hmm. um... Canard. Canard, and uh, Biambo. Yep. They were saying, like, well, maybe Canard should start. But my thing is, it don't matter who starts. To me, it matter who finished the game. Yep. Th- that's for me, because, like, you know... They can go have 19 points in the first quarter. Then they can go back and have 30 in the second quarter. It's just who finished the game for me. So Mm -hmm. I think I like the starting lineup that they had last night or whatever. But the closing lineup was better. But I don't think that – I think Canard should stay on the bench to give the bench more production where he played with them or whatever. But And I like the fact that Jinkson put him in, you know – in the fourth quarter. I like that lineup, because like the Grizzlies went on like a 26 to two run. I'm like, how the hell that happened? But I don't know, I guess Portland is trash. But anyways, how do you guys feel about the starting and the closing? To me, I think the closing lineup is better than the starting lineup.
0: You go ahead, Matt. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really, I'm not gonna put my chips on either side. Of that closing versus um, starting, what I will say is I think that the lineup that closed that game, two bigs, two shooters, and Marcus Smart is the team's best lineup. Right. Does that mean it has to start? Not necessarily, but the team should be trying to get if if they want to win every game. And I'm not a hundred percent sure like their their night to night focus has been winning every game, but I. I think that that's their best lineup. I think that's the lineup that should play the most minutes if we're trying to win. And I think we're getting to the point where we kind of have to start not, like, you know, there really hasn't been a reason to prefer Zaire over Luke Mm -hmm. in the games that Luke's been healthy if the night that night's win is the most important. Now, that doesn't mean I I don't think Zaire should be playing a lot because you kind of know you already have this lineup there sitting that will work. It will Mm -hmm. work and it will be effective. But developing Zaire, getting him more comfortable on the ball and all that stuff could pay bigger dividends, you know, down the road. I just think that that's the choice that the the coaching staff is trying to balance right now. How many minutes do we give to the, these younger guys? Zaire being kind of, I think, the pick of the litter right now um, versus this lineup that we know will, will be effective with the two shooters and, and the two bigs. Um, so I guess I kind of didn't answer your question. Uh, but, but
1: I get it. I but get I did it. talk
0: for a while. So that counts yeah. for something, right?
1: Well, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying, though.
2: Yeah. Uh, what about so, you,
1: Candace?
2: So I, I agree with you that I think the closing lineup is more important. But I, I think Zaire brings more than people give him credit for. I think he's been one of the team's most consistent rebounders to this point.
1: Right. Um, On sure. a team
2: that is desperate for rebounds. I also think they like his length. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they they would be even smaller with Lucanar. It's really small on a Mm -hmm. night to night basis. I think size has something to do with it. I also think that I I think the defensive upside with Zaire is a little higher, even though he's thin and can't be moved around on the wing. I think his length can bother some shots, particularly on the perimeter, as long as he's standing at the perimeter with his man. Um, he can affect the shot a lot better than than. Um. you know, a Luke Canard can on a regular basis. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I also think that to this point, quite honestly, he's been the more effective shooter. Now we know that things will level out and ultimately Luke will be Luke and he's going to be that, he's going to regression to the meat, right? But to this point, I mean, except for last night, you, you'd you rather see, you almost rather see Zaire take the shot um, no, just because he's been on a smaller volume, but he's been able to make those shots very well when given the opportunity so he can defense aren't playing him like he can space the floor yet. But if he, yeah. c- if he's consistent with that, then you sort of get the benefit of that. Um, And, and then finally, I think, I think of Luke a little bit, it's not, it's not the same, but right. one of my arguments last year when they asked John Contra to kind of step up and be the second shooting guard, I thought it would be a little bit too much to ask of him in that taking him outside of his role, might minimize what you get from him. And ultimately that proved to be true very quickly. I think Luke's part of Luke's struggles with shooting, I think had to do with him doing more on ball um, responsibilities and just adjusting and balancing. He's starting to find his way, but if you're starting him, are then are then you maximizing your, your, the best use out of him? I think he'd be more efficient for you coming off the bench and not having the responsibilities of trying to guard some of the better wings in the league. I also think you need a guy on the bench who you can rely on and somebody off the bench has got to be able to shoot. And if the only guy is Luke Kennard, it's almost like why they kept Brandon Clark on the bench for so long. They needed a guy who, who could reliably come off the bench and score, even though Brandon sometimes deserved to start, they needed him on the bench more. So I think of Luke in the same vein.
0: Yeah. I I think we've hit our first disagreement, Candace, Ah. (laughs) but, but, it, it, it is couched in also agreeing with you <laughs> because I basically think, I basically think that Luke is only playable with the two bigs. So like, mm. I'm willing, I, I guess I'm willing to make the trade of having him guard better wings starting with the two bigs behind him. Um, so I, you know, because like, I think the thinking has been, Zaire has the higher upside defensively. We're going to stick him on the best wing on the other team. And he's done He's done a decent job in, in ISO defense. Like he did a decent job on Brandon Ingram. Um, he's disrupted a lot of shots. Uh, he has rebounded. I'm just willing to make the trade. I, I just don't think, I don't like Luke when he is not playing with two big men. And if we're going to start two big men with Jaron and Bismack or Jaron and another seven footer, I think that's where Luke should try to get it most of his minutes. And I'm just willing to make the defensive trade and say, let the big men do the defending. We, you know, so I do kind of agree with everything you're saying. I just think I come out on it a little bit differently. The, the end result.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm higher on Luke's ability to, to function even though he's not around too bigs, It's mm-hmm. because he can face the face the floor so well, but I, I think it's a valid point. Um, so it's kind of a flip of the coin preference. I think I do think though, people have underrated Zaire's performance mostly just because he's not performing like. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's not. I think people had high higher expectations <laughs> than what they should have Zaire, so he's been a little under radar. But um, I, don't,
1: I I think he's been performing well. I mean, right,
2: exactly. With the rebounding
1: with, the rebounding, with the rebound, I'm just like I'm. You know what? It's just like I've just stopped listening to people because they they always <laughs> they trash Jaren every every game.
2: No, Jared they only trash him when he doesn't get, like, you know, 30 points.
1: Well, I mean, they trash him. They find something wrong with him. Doing the game order, they find something wrong. Well, this guy doing this, that, whatever. He's just yeah. hunting blocks. He should – you get tired of it. but He's
0: amazing at hunting blocks. Right, right. <laughs> he turned in one of the best defensive performances in, like, NBA history last year by yeah. hunting blocks. <laughs> yep. Why don't people want him to do that? I don't understand. Yep. <laughs>
1: because
2: say, I heard. Sorry, go ahead, Sharon.
1: Sure. They said that he doesn't play defense; he just hunt blocks. Oh my gosh!
2: Um, okay, <laughs> um, yep. that's, yeah, that's, that's really funny. That's, that's a funny, uh, yeah, it's really funny there. It, it's um, really funny. Really, really funny. It but is hard almost, if you don't. I'm
0: sorry. I I, I do want to say this. If it it is hard for fans of other teams to look at a player. Who has won Defensive Player of the Year and been an All Star and kind of like come to grips with the fact that the player still has flaws? Like Jaron. I'm sorry,
1: I'm sorry, honey. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. is not other fans. I'm some my Grizzlies fans.
0: Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Fans yeah. in general, yeah, they, they kind of see players. Um, you know, once you get your 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 plaudits and your trophies and and all that stuff, they expect you to be perfect, and yep. you can still be an awesome basketball player and have significant flaws. Yep. Like LeBron James has never even been a great shooter. Doesn't yep. mean he's not like one of the top two <laughs> basketball players of all time, and possibly the best one. You know, like guys, there's no such thing as a perfect basketball player. There really isn't.
2: Yeah, I, right. think people, I say it all the time. People have Hall of Fame, fame expectations for Jaron. A. They really do. If it, well, if he could just get 2010 and still be a defense. Defensive guy and then be able to play make on top of that then like he would be mvp he would be yoke like yeah. he would be yoking but
1: they just don't see all the energy that it yeah. takes for him to be yeah. this defensive player and then do this on the offense do you want to see how hard he be sweating
0: yeah that is, like, that's like 100 true
1: because like the other night friday night he was gassed
2: yeah he was he was gassed he's really tired because he, so.
1: he, he has to expend so much energy. Regardless of mm-hmm. he being in the um gym more than him or whatever, he was gassed because all the energy he has to expend. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, on both ends of the floor. But and I can say he has gotten better going to the basket. That's what yes. I love.
2: Yes. I think they've been more intentional about featuring him in that way. You just need your guards to look for him in the paint. Uh, that's, that's a really big Big factor will the guards look for him in the paint and will the coaching with the coaches emphasize that they need to look for him in the paint? And uh, I do that is one benefit of Marcus Smart is that he does look for those opportunities. Whereas Ja could work on that a lot when he gets back. Um, but just to the block, the block hunting, one thing I heard Jaron say in an interview is when he was talking about how he blocks, you know, he was like, You can't go block hunting because you'll gamble too much. You take too many risks, but what he does is try to deter the shot. He's always looking to deter the shot every time. And if you really watch him with that mindset, you can actually see it. Like he is trying to deter the shot and there are just opportunities that present itself to block. But I think if you, if you, if you have that perspective watching him, it looks a lot less like block hunting and more like he's going to try to deter the shot at least every single time. And if he gets a block, great. But it's just something I noticed that, that, that people don't realize too. And um, I think people should understand that about his mindset.
1: Okay, so how do you guys think they're going to do against Miami on Wednesday? It's going to be a big test for Jaron. He's going to have to go up against Bam. Oh. Or, or was it B, uh, Bismarck? You know, against Bam. We don't know how they're gonna do the lineup or lineups or whatever. So how do you guys think they're gonna fail? It's gonna to be tough, but I don't think it's gonna be like a blowout or anything like that. But I think that you know they have their chances, but I just don't know how the bench is going to be. What
2: are you Miami guys
0: thoughts on? Miami can't score, so I think we have a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can I... hold them, we can hold them under a hundred.
2: I uh I didn't feel good about it before seeing the win, and I didn't think that the win would move me. But I did like a lot of what I saw about how Bismack was able to seamlessly transition into the offense and, and the defense, for that matter. So I do think that with that extra help, assuming health, that they can win that game. I actually really do. I think they, as long as they rotations will be important for Jenkins. I think uh, he his ability to Make adjustments and rotations when needed. Sometimes he misses momentum moments. I talk about that a lot. If yes. he can, he did. He did a really good job of putting in, like we said, that closing lineup at the right time, and they were able to go on a big run because of it. If he can do something similar for this Miami game with them being at home and having the energy, the the crowd the, they they play well, they play off the energy from the crowd. I think they can pull it out. What you they think? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I
0: think I think um, the Heat can't score, and we have a good shot. Yeah. Just tell me who's playing. Is are, are Santi and Luke playing? And right. I don't. I don't as much care about John Conchar playing or not. But you know, any if we have the more guys we get back, um, and Jimmy Butler hasn't been good yet this year. He hasn't hit his stride yet. So I, they have a good shot.
1: But you know, Jimmy. You know, he he can you know go off at any time.
0: Sure, so mm-hmm.
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: he saves his three point shooting for this for the playoffs, though. So he does, we, yeah, we, we'll, we'll dodge that bullet.
1: But I think fans should just don't look at the remaining games, take it one game at a time because yep. anything can happen. And then, like, all these games is closer to jaw coming back because you know, I'm gonna start doing a countdown, so yeah, it's closer to, for jaw to come back. But thank you guys, um, uh, for. I really enjoyed our conversation. I really did. Mm-hmm. We 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 really need to do it again. Yeah. yeah thanks for I, I,
2: thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Pleasure to be on.
1: Yeah. And and uh Candace and Matt, y'all need to um Candace, you need to have Matt on your um your podcast.
2: Yeah, you that post. would be great. That'd yeah. be great.
0: Yeah, hit me up on uh D do I don't know if I follow you Candace, but if I if I don't and if you don't follow me, have Sharon put us in contact yeah, yeah you need
1: to follow you need to follow <laughs> you young in my dms yeah
2: you know, <laughs> we'll link up I'll, I'll reach out to you though that yeah that would yeah be great.
1: you need to uh follow young harriet as well yeah, yeah Do okay. you, you know young harriet matt you need to get to no, know ma'am. her <laughs> no.
0: look you I see... know i don't live in memphis anymore so i've always been kind of like really slow to follow more people Because right. you know the more people you follow the more twitter sends you the crazies not saying yeah, you guys are yeah. crazy, but the more you, people you follow, so I don't know. My timeline is very non-crazy right now, unless yeah. I accidentally hit like the for you tab. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. you is is a bad place right now. <laughs> you don't want to go to <laughs> for you,
1: right? <laughs> exactly. And then like sometimes you be going in spaces. Oh my god! But yeah, oh, but, I don't but, get it. but 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 Matt, you need to listen to that rant that Young Harry it went on. Off. Oh mm. my god it went viral she just went off on everybody it was just so funny she was dead serious too but yeah but i thank you guys <laughs> thank you guys for coming on yeah. and i have to have you guys on again um it's gonna be uh i'm gonna have to put it out in the morning i'll talk to you guys later all right bye sharon okay. bye. You thanks so, you so much
2: and... for having me on okay all nice right you. bye
1: you guys
0: Adventure has its own style. It's made up of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. Visit Subaru.com
1: Wilderness to explore the family of rugged Subaru Wilderness models.